Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. This week we got episode number 12, which was originally published on Wednesday, November the 15th, 2006. Now, one note before we get into it, I talk about a Just Another Fanboy 1-800 number in this episode that y'all could call and, and leave a voicemail too, but I really doubt that that number is still in service. And frankly, even if it is, I really have no idea at this point how to access that voicemail box. So yeah, I wouldn't try calling it if I were you or call. I mean, it, it really doesn't make any difference to me. Just know that if it still works and you are able to leave a voicemail, I'm never going to hear it. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that's slightly bent in the middle. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx broadcasting production. Lynx, like the cat. Meow. Just like a comic book. 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 Welcome to episode number 12 of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on November 14th, 2006, and likes chocolates but only for the fancy foil wrappers. I'm your host, Steven, and I'm here once more with my band of merry men to talk comics and just generally waste your time. And holy crap, have we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. First of all, did anybody catch the new trailer for Spider-Man 3 this week? Jumping jack crap on a biscuit, that movie looks sweet. I turned into such a geeked-out fanboy when that trailer played on TV the other night. And the Sandman, wow. I mean, wow. I felt like such a little kid when I saw that. Okay, so I got a story to tell, but before I do, uh, I should throw down a little backstory. For those of you who don't know, I'm a married man and father of three. My two youngest are girls, ages one and two and a half, and my oldest, Simon, is four. Simon has this thing where at some point in the night, he likes to crawl into bed with the wife and I, and you know, we've since gotten tired of trying to make him go back to bed. So for the time being, we just let him sleep in bed with us. Uh, I've recently discovered that this may have been a mistake because at precisely 11.26 p.m. on the night of Friday, November 10th, Simon, my only son, threw up all over my head as I slept. Of course, once the stuff hit my head, I was up like a shot to witness him vomit three or four more times in the few seconds it took me to fully wake and get my bearings. Karen, that's my lovely wife, took care of Simon while I cleaned off, and as she had the chore last time Simon was sick, it was my turn to take care of the boy throughout the night. Not that I wasn't going to sleep, because once you've been vomited on in the middle of the night, it's hard to go back to sleep. But I'm telling you, that kid threw up every 10 to 20 minutes until about 11 a.m. on Saturday morning, and then he was fine. Every 20 minutes, and then fine. Anyway, uh, you know, for those of you who are parents, and frankly, for those of you who aren't, this is the one thing that they just don't tell you about when you're thinking about having kids. I mean, sure, they tell you about the joy and all the unconditional love that you'll get from the little kids and whatnot. Uh, they'll even tell you about the mountain of poopy diapers, but they never tell you about the countless times you will spend drenched in puke. I'm not talking about spit up. Spit up, that's, you know, that's something that, just is pretty much goes with the program. I'm I'm talking about buckets of puke. Anyway, now that I've driven my audience away, uh, I just got V for Vendetta from my local library. Uh, not the movie, the book. 
Um, I'm I'm only a quarter of the way into it, and I'm I'm really digging it so far. Uh, it's so different than the movie, which was pretty much expected. But in many ways, the movie still got it right. Uh, I also got volume two of the Ex Machina trade by uh, Brian K. Vaughn, and this this frankly actually just kind of pisses me off. Um, the way my local library is set up is that I can go online. Uh, Log in using my library card, search through their catalog, decide what books I want, add them to my list, and when they come in, they mail them to me. The problem with Ex Machina is that they have volumes one and two listed under the same uh, item. So you go in, you do Ex Machina, you find it, boom, there, volume one and two. You say, hey, I want this, I'm going to request it. And for some reason... Now, twice I've done this, and both times they've only sent me Volume 2. I don't want to read Volume 2. I want to read Volume 1, so then I can read Volume 2. Anyway, uh, what else is going on this week? Uh, I just got five more boxes of comics out of storage from my parents' house. Um, I've been storing all my comics out at my parents' uh, for the past decade, which is probably a mistake, uh, because they've been storing them up in their uh, garage basically, so they all smell musty and whatnot, but uh, slowly I've been bringing them back over since we now have space in the attic to store them, and I got the last five boxes this weekend, uh, threw them out on the old dinner table and looked through them. The first thing I like to do is just kind of look through them and see um, what I would like to to read, what I haven't read in a while, because some of these comics are over 25 years old, um, so I like to see what I can read, but I also like to pull out books that my boy Simon might enjoy. And I found these three books that were um, published in, uh, let me see, I got them right here in front of me, published in 1981. They're Marvel Comics, published through uh, the Marvel Comics group, and, ah, oh, crap, I had this right in front of me, Ideals. I don't know. Anyway, there's a Captain America, there's a Spider-Man, there's a Hulk. There's supposed to be a fourth one, which is Fantastic Four. I don't have this one. But it says on the back, Now, amaze your friends. Stun them with your vast knowledge of little-known facts. All there is to know about your favorite comic book heroes will be revealed to you in these remarkable books. So basically, you know, you've got Captain America, Spider-Man, and the Hulk, and it just reprints a lot of old back issues. Well, not a lot, but their origin stories and uh, some of their few key points throughout their life. And I pulled these out thinking, you know, hey, Simon could read these. I could care less if he rips these up. But then I started looking through them. They're awesome. So I'm going to read these first before I hand them over to him. Now, Marvel and DC have released their solicitations for February, and I got to tell you, there's so much good crap coming out from both companies in February that I'm going to have to drop some of my normal stuff to get some of the new stuff. Normally, I get anywhere from 20 to 25 books a month, but for February, with the inclusion of the new titles, I have a list of 33 books. Um, I'd love to get all 33 books, but can my wallet afford it? Doubtful. So what's coming out in February that's got me all a flutter? Well, let's look at DC. The Brave and the Bold, number one, written by Mark Wade, art by George Perez. You know, I don't think I've ever purchased a monthly book drawn by George Perez, except for maybe uh, The Avengers back when Kurt Busick was writing it. Um, but I would like to get on a monthly or even bi-monthly book by George Perez. So I'm going to be the first in line for this book. Uh, Marvel has got Dark Tower, The Gunslinger Born, number one, coming out in February. This is written by Peter David and Robin Firth, with art by Jay Lee and Richard Eisenhove. 
Um, this is a, a limited series. There's only going to be seven issues. And, and usually with the limited series, I don't like to, you know, purchase these because I sometimes prefer to wait for the trade when I know that it's only going to be a limited series. But being the huge Stephen King fan that I am, I'm all over this, Bretta. Uh, Marvel also has Amazing Spider-Man number 539 coming out in February. This is written by Michael J. Straczynski with art by Ron Garney. The only reason I'm even thinking of picking up this book is because it's the first issue of the Back in Black series, um, where Spider-Man is back in the black costume. And I was reading back in the day. I was, I was, uh, reading during the Secret War when he got the black costume. And I'm, I'm one of these people that will stand up and say, Hey, I'm a fan of the black costume. I mean, it sure beats this stupid Spidey Iron Robo armor that he's wearing now. So, Though I haven't been purchasing any Spider-Man books, even though I've always considered Spider-Man to be my top superhero character, the books really haven't been doing anything for me. But I, I, I'm going to use this to try to jump back in, and let's hope it treats me nicely and maybe gives me a little back rub in the middle of the night. Uh, Marvel also has uh, Civil War The Initiative, written by Mar Brian Michael Bendis and Warren Ellis, with uh, pencils by Mark Silvestri. This sounds like a pretty good deal, though... Um, the more I read into it, the more it sounds like it's just going to be a, uh, you know, a prologue for the, the new Iron Man, Omega Flight, Mighty Avengers, New Avengers, and the Thunderbolts. And while it sounds interesting, I'm probably only going to be picking up Mighty Avengers and New Avengers once the whole Civil War thing is over. So I may give this one a miss. This may be one that I can just drop. Um, but that's, that's what's coming out in February, uh, other than, Everything else that's on my pull list. So looking forward to February. Um, oh, I got something exciting to tell you. Something I'm excited about. And I hope you're excited about it as well. Just another fanboy now has a 1-800 number that you, the listener, can call and leave voicemails and become part of the show. The number is 1-877-309-8367, extension 212. You can use the new 1-800 number to leave an audio comment about the show or tell us what your picks of the week are or even review a book. Uh, the thing is, I'm going to play it. You know, I want the listeners to become a huge part of the show. So you send it. I'm going to play it. Just keep it clean because I like a squeaky show. So the number is, uh, again, 1-877-309-8367, extension 212. Uh, the number should be up on the site soon. Uh, so call and leave a message and I'll play it. Kind of like this one. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. This is only a test. This has been a test of the emergency podcast system. Had this been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed to kiss your sweet butt goodbye. This has only been a test. So speaking of which, let's do a little listener's feedback. <laughs> Justin from Missouri, regular listener and constant supporter of the show, writes me in regards to episode 11. Another fine episode, and I always think this, but I don't know that I have ever voiced it. I like your picks, but beyond that, I like that you get excited about them. And that is the part that feels more personal. I know that because of DCBS, you can't really say what you are getting and throw your two cents out immediately. My blog became proof of that. 
but it just adds something, I think. And Norman is quickly becoming a favorite segment of mine on the show. I don't know what it is. Bitching in moderation, I guess. Or maybe that the gripe just says what others are thinking. I think this is another week where you'll get no movie guesses from me. But I still had a blast. Always keep up the good work, and I will keep listening. All the best, Justin. Well, thanks again, Justin. I really do appreciate all you do, which is listen to each episode, and that's just plain awesome. You know, one of these days I'm going to get a negative email, and I'll read it too. And now, news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by Hogshead Coffee, the coffee with the great taste of pork. Once in a generation, a product hits the market with such mass appeal that shoppers from all corners of the globe flock to their local stores. Many innocents die, trampled to death by a mob of greedy consumers who have nothing more on their collective minds than procuring this latest innovation. Such products include Cabbage Patch Dolls, Tickle Me Elmo, and now, Hogshead Coffee. Hogshead Coffee brings to you a flavor that is both unique and robust. The good folks of Hogshead Coffee use only the richest of beans grown special in the wilds of Madagascar. These wonderful little beans are then fed to a blue ribbon prize winning hog from Kansas named Daisy, where Hogshead scientists spend hours a day picking the beans from Daisy's fecal matter before bringing them to you. It's this process that gives Hogshead Coffee that great taste of pork that you, the selective coffee drinker of great taste, have grown to love and demand. Hogshead Coffee, the only coffee with the unbridled taste of swine. From the makers of Sheep's Bladder Ice Cream. This January, Marvel Studios and Lionsgate will release to DVD the latest title in the very successful Marvel Animated Features video series, The Invincible Iron Man, inspired by one of Marvel's most popular superhero franchises. The Invincible Iron Man is an origin story that follows billionaire inventor Tony Stark as he raises a long-buried city in China and awakens an unspeakable evil that only the armor-clad Iron Man can destroy in a battle of modern technology versus Eastern mythology. Named after the comic books that made Tony Stark's alter ego one of the most popular characters in the Marvel Universe, The Invincible Iron Man will be available on DVD on January 23, 2007, for the suggested retail price of $19.98. The DVD features a marvelous host of bonus features, including an alternate opening sequence, the Origin of Iron Man featurette, the Hall of Iron Man armor featurette, a look at the upcoming Marvel animated feature Doctor Strange, and more. The Flash from DC Comics is getting a change in February when Mark Guggenheim steps in as the new regular writer for the series. Fewer than two weeks after Top Cow Productions' smash hit Freshman 2 leaped off comic book shelves, Top Cow's original Freshman series is launching as a webcomic as well, having just started on November 10, 2006. Freshman will publish one page a day, Monday through Friday, on DrunkDuck.com and publish additional issues at the end of the run. There are plans to also run additional books from Top Cow on DrunkDuck.com in the future. Freshman tells the tale of an incoming class of freeze college freshmen who obtain wild and sometimes hilarious superpowers when an experimental machine explodes in the college's science building. Freshman was co-created by Seth Green and Hugh Sturbikov, penciled by Leonard Kirk, inked by Andro Pepoy, and colored by Tyson Wengler. 
comics professional retail organization, Comics Pro, the only trade group specifically dedicated to the progress of comic book specialty retailers, is announcing that DC Comics has become its first angel, with the publisher providing a $5,000 kickstart to the efforts of the organization. The goals of Comics Pro are for direct market specialty retailers to speak with a single strong voice on important industry issues, to provide educational and mentoring support to, to current and future retailers, and to offer opportunities to reduce some of the fixed costs that all comic specialty retailers incur. In its first full year of operation, Comics Pro has grown to more than 80 member retailers, comprising nearly 120 storefront locations. Comics Pro offers members a menu of benefits, including preferential rates on credit card processing from Chase Payment Tech, savings on health insurance from Osserant Health, discounts on ComTrack and Moby Comic Inventory Software, and discounts on business forms from LegalZoom.com. More member benefits are always being explored for Comics Pro retailers. More information can be found at ComicsPro.org. Something has moved in with Devil's Due Publishing Incorporated, and that something is terror. The ink is dry on a licensing agreement between Devil's Due and Universal Studios Consumer Products Group, sealing the deal to resurrect horror icon Chucky and bring the killer doll to comic books. The 1988 feature film Child's Play garnered an immense cult following, spawned many sequels, and now becomes a terrifying new comic book. Wounded by police, Lakeshore Strangler Charles LeRae stumbled into his toy store. Just before his death, the serial killer used voodoo to transfer his soul into a PlayPal's good guy doll. When the doll was brought home as a child's birthday gift, horror ensued and hasn't stopped since. Look for more information in the coming months, as well as the advent of a new series in early 2007. This winter, you'll wish it were only make-believe. Devils do, reminding everyone that pop culture is our culture. And on DVD this week, The Best of the Electric Company, Volume 2. King Kong Deluxe Extended Edition, 3-disc set. Northern Exposure, Season 5, 5-disc set. And Quantum Leap, Season 5, 3-disc set. And that was this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now my comic book, Picks of the Week. This week from D.C., we have 52, number 28, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen. Covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, maybe our time here is over. Red Tornado's gone walkabout. Plus the origin of Catman by Wade and Dale Inglesham. Checkmate number eight, written by Greg Rucka, art and cover by Jesus Saez. Checkmate clashes with a rival agency on American soil. And from Marvel this week, we have Astonishing X-Men number 18, written by Joss Whedon, art by John Cassidy, colored by Laura Martin, and lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. It's the jaw-dropping conclusion to Torn, 
How will Emma's betrayal affect the team? Will the Hellfire Club stand victorious? This issue also sets up the events leading into John and Joss's final arc of Astonishing X-Men. Don't miss it. Civil War number 5, written by Mark Miller, pencils by Steve McNiven, inks by Dexter Vines, colored by Maury Hollowell, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. Featuring villains, villains, villains. Sides, chains, and chaos reigns as the evildoers of the Marvel Universe make their presence felt in a new and shocking way. But when the underworld gets involved, can the Punisher be far behind? Moon Knight number 6, written by Charlie Huston, Pencils by David Finch, inks by Danny Miki, colored by Frank D'Armada, and lettered by Joseph Carmangna. It's never about speed or slick moves or razor-sharp reflexes. It's about what you can take. It's about how much pain you can absorb. How many times can you hit the mat, bloody and dazed, and still get up? That's where glory is forged. That's where one earns the grace of God, or in this case, Konshu, God of Vengeance. Mark Spector's taken their best shot. Taskmaster, the profile, the entire committee. Question is, are they ready for his? And those were my comic book picks of the week. Got your own picks? Call one 309 8367 extension 212, and tell us all about them. Of course, you'll want to use picks from last week's, but we would still love to hear them. Come on, call. You know you want to. Do it. Do it now. And now for At the Movies with Gary Indiana. Welcome, y'all, to yet another segment of At the Movies with Gary Indiana. I'm your host, Gary, and our winner from last week is Kevin Quash, who correctly answered that last week's line came from, from the movie Dazed and Confused. Congratulations, Kevin. Your prize will be out to you soon. Now, I wanted to have Norman's little sister Enid in the studio with me this week to help me out with this week's movie line, but as she's out ill, Norman himself will be here to play the part of the woman. And now this week's movie quote. The story goes like this. He proposed, I told him I had to think about it, and he insisted that I wear the ring anyway. Then my mother told the paper we were engaged. Oh, how like her. Then my mother called this morning to let me know that the announcement was in the paper. That's when I hopped a train to come back here, because I knew you'd be a wreck. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Was I right? Wreck is a harsh term. Disturbed is more like it. Mildly disturbed, even. Oh, I love a macho facade. It is such a turn-on. What smells like shoe polish? Do you think you know the movie? Email us here at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and give us your guess. Remember to include the name you want us to use in the show at the bottom of your email.
This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the latest episode of Heroes on NBC. This week's episode was called Seven Minutes to Midnight and was one of the best so far. Does Mohinder have a special ability like the other heroes? Mohinder is back in India and is trying to get back to his normal life. That is, until he starts having dreams of the past. Dreams of his father and dreams that include a little boy. In one dream, Mohinder witnesses the murder of his father at the hands of, well, I, I, I think it was Siler. In the dream, the boy shows Mohinder a key, a key that Mohinder has had in his possession but is not used. When he wakes, he uses it to unlock a desk drawer in his father's office where he finds a hidden file that contains a picture of the little boy from his dream. At least I assume it's a boy. There was a name on the file that I missed, and Mohinder learns that he has had an older sister who died when she was five, whom his mom referred to as special. I don't know. Isaac is with Eden and Claire's father, HRG. They have helped him get clean, and HRG comes to see him about his paintings. He explains to Isaac that the cheerleader is his daughter, and the man trying to kill her is Siler, and that he will kill her tomorrow night at the homecoming. HRG is trying to do what he can to prevent this, and he wants Isaac to finish the paintings, to paint the future, to help HRG save his daughter. It's here that we learn that HRG has been with an organization that has been tracking and monitoring people with abilities for over a decade. One such was a woman who died, and HRG and his wife took her small baby and adopted her. Yeah, that would be clear. So, is HRG really the bad guy that we all think he is, or is he just simply a father that will do everything in his power to save his little girl? Only time will tell. Anyway, Isaac can't get his powers to work without the heroin, but he also doesn't want to go back to the needle as he's finally gotten it out of his life. HRG, however, has Eden convince him to cook up, and soon Isaac is painting away. Hiro and Ando find themselves in a small diner in Texas where Hiro befriends a waitress who either just has a photographic memory or some power that's pretty much like it. The waitress thinks that Hiro is sweet and cute and tells him so, and Hiro develops a, starts to develop a little crush. All the while, Siler is sitting at a table nearby, cloaked in shadows, sipping his coffee and watching Hiro and the waitress. The waitress then goes into the back room and Hiro visits the restroom. Siler kills the waitress and disappears. Hiro then tries to go back in time to the day before to prevent the waitress from coming into work and getting killed. He tells Ando to count to five and then he will return. Hiro vanishes, Ando counts to five, and Hiro doesn't return. Matt, the mind-reading cop, is helping interrogate Ted, the radioactive dude. Matt and Ted both discover that they have had similar experiences. Both have blacked out in the recent past while in the same room with a large bald Haitian man. Both have lost two two or so days of their lives, and both have woken with two small cuts in their necks. Before Matt can get to the bottom of it all, Ted is taken away by the feds, only to escape later. No Peter, Nathan, Nikki, DL, or Micah in this episode. Okay, so let's see what questions we have thus far. What is HRG really playing at? Is he the big master villain or just an extremely overprotective father? What happened to Hiro Nakamura? Did he just teleport f too far back in the past? Maybe. There was a picture on the wall of the diner uh, when we first meet the waitress, and it shows the waitress at her birthday party. After Hiro goes back in time and we don't see him again, all of a sudden Hiro is now in this picture with the waitress. So maybe he just went too far back. Uh, does Eden have an ability? Does she have the power of suggestion? Is that how she convinced Isaac to cook up? Uh, how will Peter get to Texas to save the cheerleader? How are Nikki, DL, and Micah involved? Hopefully we'll find out by the end of the season. Hopefully. And now for the podcast Spotlight. In this week's comic book Spotlight, we take a look at the Raging Bullets podcast at RagingBullets.com. 
Raging Bullets is a DC Comics fan podcast focusing on reviews of the DC Universe titles and all of the various imprints that DC publishes. It's a weekly show hosted by Sean and Jim, the sensei of the whatnot, and averages about two hours long. They also have special episodes focusing on DC and other media like film, live action, TV, animation, gaming, etc., And they have recently added a weekly segment called Speeding Bullets, where they do shorter, quick reviews of things that the fellas have read or watched during the week that are DC-related. This is a spoiler podcast, but they do have timestamps and show notes on each episode so that you can skip segments for books you haven't read yet. I really dig this show, especially being a fairly new reader to DC, and I love the fact that they do spoiler-filled reviews. You know, I understand why other podcasts won't do spoilers, but being a low-rent fanboy, I can't afford all the books I want, so I depend on the spoilers to keep me caught up. Hmm, I may have to use that as a future low-rent tip. Anyway, if you're even a moderate fan of DC, check out Raging Bullets at RagingBullets.com and tell them Steven sent you. Now, it's usually this point in the show where I do Steven's Song of the Week. But as the show is running just a little bit too long this week, I thought I'd go ahead and skip it. But it will be back next week with another song from an old band of mine called Larry. But now it's time once again for The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the state of the comic book industry, or just about anything that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma. Now this week, I'd like to wax intellectual about all these dern folks flying around in such a ding-dang hurry all the time. It seems like wherever I go, be it to the store, the bank, work, down the street to the park, or even just to the kitchen, most other people are trying to get there faster. And they will do anything, regardless of how dangerous or illegal it may be, to get there before anyone else. Why is everybody in such a hurry? When did life turn into such a big race? What is it out there on the open road that most drivers are in such a hurry to see? Now, I ain't sure how it is in other countries, but in America, it seems that almost everyone who gets behind the wheel of a car feels the need to burn as much fuel as possible to get from point A to point B. The burning of fuel, however, is not because of your average American taking the long way around so they can just sit back and enjoy the drive. Nope, the fuel expenditure is the effect of everyone placing their right foot firmly down on the gas pedal and giving it all they have. I can't ever get out on a highway without feeling as if I'm not going to survive the trip because someone out there needs to get to Walmart in record time just to purchase a new drain stopper for their kitchen sink. And don't get me wrong, I've been known to speed now and again. Whenever I'm on the highway, I drive no less than 5 miles per hour over the speed limit, but no more than 10. Yet even then, everyone seems to zoom by me as if I'm standing still. Now I'm sorry, but is 10 miles an hour over the speed limit still too slow for you? Where are all the dang cops when you need them? I remember once watching the early show on CBS and was simply amazed by what people are now doing to keep themselves from getting speeding tickets. The segment I watched was all about those radar cameras that certain states in the U.S. have set up to catch speeders or people who run through red lights. The camera has a built-in radar detector, and when it registers somebody speeding, it takes a picture of their license plate and sends them the speeding ticket in the mail. 
One fellow that talked to said that because of this new system, his wife was racking up hundreds of dollars in speeding tickets each month. He didn't blame his wife, however. He blamed the camera for not making its presence known, even though it was installed in the front grill of a police cruiser that sat at an intersection. The segment showed cars passing the cruiser on this busy street, and you could actually hear the camera clicking away almost nonstop as it took picture after picture of speeding motorists. And presumably, the county or state took in hundreds of thousands of dollars each month. Now it seems that there is a spray out there that you can put on your license plate to make it so glossy that the license is illegible unless you have a camera pointed directly at the plate. The ad for this product actually says, Fight Back! Avoid Costly Traffic Tickets. Let me ask y'all something. Instead of going out there and buying a spray to gloss up your license plate in hopes of fooling a camera, wouldn't it just be easier to not speed? I think the one thing that everyone in the world could do to make this little blue-green planet a better place to live on is to finally up and realize that they are not, definitely not, the center of the known universe. Are you hearing me? I'm talking to you. That's right, you. You are not the only one on the highway, potato head, so slow your dumb ass down. Speed limits are set for a reason. Why don't we all try to follow them once in a while? We as a society have this idea that we all have the right to have everything given to us quickly with little to no waiting. No one wants to sit back and smell the roses anymore. People got tired of waiting to have a painting completed so they could hang a picture of their loved one over the fire, so the camera was invented. Then they got sick of waiting for pictures to develop, so the one-hour photo place was created. One hour, however, still wasn't quick enough, so the digital camera with home printing station was made. Just 20 years ago, you took the picture, then forgot about it, hoping that whatever it was you took will come out looking all right when you get the photo back from the lab in a week. Nowadays, most people can't even wait the five minutes it takes to print the picture out from their printer, opting instead to hand the camera around to everyone so that they can see the digitally stored image of the picture that they just seconds before were posing for. It's sad. And frankly, I'm just as guilty of it as everyone. Just the other day, I went into the break room at work to heat up my lunch in the microwave, and standing next to me at another microwave was a buddy of mine who actually took a second to complain that he had to wait five minutes for his pasta to heat up. Five minutes! It used to take our ancestors hours to create a meal, and he's bitching about five minutes? Slow down, people. There's a great big world out there, and if you're going too fast, you just might miss it. Amen to that. That was The View from Norman, Oklahoma. And this brings another rump-scratching episode to a close. Please take a moment to show me how much you love and care for this show. You can now do that in five ways. You could send me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You could sign up and post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. You could go to Podcast Alley at podcastalley.com, search for Just Another Fanboy, and vote for the show. You could find the show on iTunes and write a review. And now you can call in at 1-877-309-8367, extension 212, and leave an audio comment or review or song or whatever. I'll play it. And heck, if you do all five, then may choirs of angels sing you to your rest. The theme song for this show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. And hey, while you're out there on the internet, take a moment to check out all the other great programs from Link Broadcasting. Just follow the Link's Broadcasting link found at the top of the justanotherfanboy.com website or go directly to their site at linksbroadcasting.com. That's L-Y-N-X broadcasting.com. So until next week, I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. 
Bye bye, Daddy. Bye bye, Daddy. Good job. <gasps>